So, um, I selected the title to the sermon. The title of the sermon is I'm Not Drunk. I didn't select the picture that goes with it. I didn't select, I selected the title of the sermon, but I didn't pick the picture. I might have selected a little bit different picture, at least without the tie over the forehead. The rest of it's okay. I'm not drunk. I'm crazy, which is way more fun. It's way more fun. You know, the Bible says we're to be a peculiar people. I personally know how I define peculiar. I'm a little off-center. And it's kind of cool to be a little bit off-center when you're a Christian because you do things that are a little bit off the wall because people don't understand us. Did you know that? They, they really don't. When you meet someone who maybe is not a believer or who's never really had a lot of experience with someone who cares for them, and then you show them some love and some care, guess what happens? They think you're drunk. They think you're just out there somewhere, and they don't get it. So we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about going from this thing of stewardship, because that's what we spent the last four or five weeks on. We're going to go from stewardship to reconciliation, because this is really the core of what this whole series of sermons has been about. And I don't really like to call what I do series of sermons, because I'm afraid if you hear that I'm going to do a series, you'll just check out. And you'll be afraid that if you didn't get last week, you won't understand this week. And if you miss this week, you won't want to come next week because you'll miss some of the series. So I don't ever announce series of sermons. But over the month of January, we talked about stewardship for a reason. And it's not just because the church needs more money. I shared with you, I think, the first Sunday or the second Sunday in January that we actually are operating in the black. Praise God. That's a really good thing for a, for a church to be able to do, okay? Now, if you want to make your contributions a little bit larger and let us pay off debt a little bit quicker, God bless you. We'll take all that you want to do. That's easy, okay? But I want you to understand, financially, we're on pretty solid ground. But this whole thing about stewardship is not about your paycheck. It's about what are you going to do with your life if you understand that we are truly stewards of what God has given to us, of everything, of everything that he's given to us. So, if we're believing that all that God has given to us belongs to God, if all of the cattle on the hill belong to God, if all of the money in your checking account belongs to God, if all of the real estate that you own, if all of the cars, all of the shoes... Yes, she's here today to defend herself. And I'll just have you know, yesterday she said, Ed, I said, yes, dear because that's the appropriate answer when she says it in her tone of voice. She said, you need to clean out the uh, foyer coming out of the boat. We actually have a foyer on a boat. Isn't that cool? She's like, you have too many shoes there. And I'm like, seriously? She's like, yeah, she have too many shoes there. So we cleaned it up. She cleaned it up. I never got around to it. If we believe that God controls everything, then what are we going to do? And how are we going to use these things? What are we going to do with our lives? And, and why is it that God has blessed us with so much? Skeeter made some phenomenal comments this morning before the communion and, and during his conversation with us about the offering. We do live in a very blessed community. We are above and beyond the rest of the world, blessed beyond many folks' imaginations, even if we are in debt up to here. And I have a wonderful app that I'll share with you next week. I don't have time to do it today, but I have this cool thing I'm going to show with you because it just totally changed my life about debt. Thank you for your sermon last week. I want us to see what we can do now. What are the possibilities? Why in the world did God bless you with all this stuff? 
Some of you were, a lot of you were here in the adult class this morning in the auditorium, and Ken was dealing with a question, and he says, why do we come here? And whenever you ask the question, why did you come here, the normal default is, well, it's Sunday morning and I go to church. I mean, that's the reality of it. Most all of us who are in this room have some habit or some tradition, whereas on Sunday morning around 9, 30, 10 o'clock, whatever time it is that church begins, we show up. And we came early today for breakfast. I'm thinking about staying for lunch. They're going to cook it. I might as well eat it. But uh, we're here because it's kind of our tradition. But why are we really here? And what is it that causes us to live this life that we call a Christian life? What is it that God is doing with us? Why has He given us so many things? And now what are we supposed to do with these so many things that He's given to us? That's the real question, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So from stewardship to reconciliation, it's really all about reconciliation. Reconciliation in its truest essence is this definition. It's the restoration of friendly relations. <coughs> Excuse me. It's the restoration of friendly relations. I want you to let that sink in for just a minute. We are called to be in a ministry of reconciliation. Paul talks about that. We'll go into some more detail with that verse of Scripture next week. But we have this ministry of reconciliation. We have this ministry of restoring people to friendly relations. Now, whether a person is a Christian, a Buddhist, a Muslim, I don't care what faith they have, and they may not even have any faith. I want you to think about this with me just a moment. Have you ever experienced any time in your life where something was awry, something was off, something was not right between you and someone else? And maybe, just maybe, it was your fault. Have you ever had that experience? You did something, and in your heart of hearts, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. And you feel so compelled about the circumstance and so compelled about the relationship being out of balance and, and messed up or maybe even ended. You feel so badly about that that you actually go to that person and you talk with them and you say, you know what, I want you to understand something. I have this that I've been dealing with. Or I did this and I'm really sorry. There was a period in my life when I, before I ever came into ministry when I used to be in the home remodeling business. It was in Montgomery, Alabama. Yay. It was in Montgomery, Alabama. And I had a business partner. His name was Stuart. And you know the only reason partnerships ever form, don't you? To dissolve. I mean, that's why partnerships come together so that at some point in the future you can dissolve the partnership. I'm just being facetious and nobody got the joke but two people. But business was good for us, but we had different things that we wanted to do in business. And so he wanted to do one thing, I wanted to do another thing, and he started doing some other things, and I kind of continued on the path that we were on. And I ended up in kind of a financial strait. Because in the dissolving of the partnership, he made some acquisitions and some purchases with money that was in the account that I didn't know about being made. And all of a sudden, I got about six letters from different companies, because this was before debit cards, and I got like six letters from companies that checks that I had written to my suppliers had bounced. Ever had that happen? And then when you look at your checking account and you see that the money isn't there, and you wonder what happened, and now you know where it's at. 
And I was very upset with my business partner because he had made some purchases that he felt were important for him and his family that had nothing to do with the business. And I was left holding the bag on thousands of dollars of checks that weren't any good. I got personally acquainted with the district attorney's office. That's even better. And so for a long, long time, I was holding on to this grudge with this guy. And you know the hard part about all that? Uh, he and I were in church services together every Sunday morning. And I used to sit in church and look at him and say, you no good for nothing. You did this to me and now i got to take care of all this stuff. Woe is me, blah, 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 blah. Until one Sunday morning, one of the elders in the church, he was teaching the adult class. And he was talking about forgiveness. And he was talking about repentance. And he was talking about holding grudges. And he was telling stories of how Jesus had talked with people and said, if your brother sins against you, if your brother slaps you, if your brother takes your coat, and he's talking about the response that Jesus would have in those circumstances, and it just came all over me, like, okay, Ed, who's the guilty party here? Because the reality was, in his heart of hearts, he didn't even know that he would cause, had caused me any problem, because I never told him all these checks had bounced. And in his heart of hearts, he didn't even know he'd done anything wrong because we never had a real conversation about the money and what happened to the money after we split up. And so one Sunday morning, we had classes before services, just like worship service, just like we do here. So between the fellowship hall and the auditorium, I grabbed him and I said, Stuart, I have to talk to you. And he's like, what's up, Ed? I said, well, I said, you need to know something. I've been holding a grudge against you since we split up. And he was surprised. I mean, truly, he was surprised. He's like, why? And I explained it to him. And he said, Ed, I had no idea. I said, I know you didn't because I never told you. And he said, it caused that much trouble and did all this? And he said, yeah. I said, yeah, it did. He said, great. Not great, but he said, okay, I understand. <laughs> he wasn't that bad of a guy. He's a good guy. He's still a personal friend, to be honest with you. But he, he said, I'll make it right. He said, I'll, I'll pay back some of the money. And he came over to my house a few days later, and he was struggling financially just like I was. I mean, we were young married in our 20s, had little bitty babies, all this kind of stuff. We, none, neither one of us had any money. And he gave me $50. And that was the last money I ever got from him. But there was a restoration of friendly relations and there was a reconciliation of the relationship because I realized that I needed to repent. And I needed to ask his forgiveness for having these crazy, stupid ideas about him and attitude towards him. And he didn't even have any of it toward me. I was the one holding all that. And it was amazing what happened after that in the relationship that we had. Guys, I'm telling you, things happen in our lives. We don't necessarily want them to happen. We didn't mean for them to happen. Sometimes we just... Things just do because we are. But when that restoration of the friendly relations happen, it's a whole other world. There's a group of people that know how to do this really, really well. If any of you have ever dealt with anyone in AA or NA and they have these 12-step programs, one of those steps, and forgive me, I don't remember which step it is. I haven't read the big book in a long, long time. 
because I wasn't an alcoholic and I'm still not and I don't ever intend to be and I've never been drunk a day in my life from alcohol. Just let me tell you that right now. But they have this step in the 12-step program where they go back to the persons that they've done something wrong against and they make amends and they make restoration of that relationship and they reconcile themselves to those whom they have done something against and whom they've affected in a negative way. And so many times I've heard story after story of those who've gone through those things about the wonder and the amazement and, and the joy that comes over their lives when they go through that process of restoring themselves to the one from whom they had been separated. And I want you to know something about this thing between stewardship and reconciliation. God has blessed us with all of these things. He's given us this amazing place to live and the amazing life that we have to live, but He's given it to us not just for our enjoyment. He's given it to us so that we can go out into the world and share all of that. And share the wonder and the joy of life that we have so that we can participate in the reconciliation, so we can participate in restoring friendly relationships, not with us and them, but with them and God. God has blessed us with all of these things to make our lives a living testimony and witness to the fact of what God is doing in us. But sometimes we don't see that. Sometimes all we see are fears because we don't really understand what God is trying to do in our world. He, we don't understand what He's trying to do in our lives. We don't even understand what He's trying to do in our church. And so sometimes we fear that the, that the way is being diluted by other languages. And I don't mean other spoken languages, but things are not being done the same way that they used to be done. Did you know? Did you know that there is no absolute way that God has instructed us to do personal evangelism. Did you know that? Did you know that there are no seven or eight or ten or twelve passages of Scripture or verses or concepts that God says, you have to teach these because these are the absolute ones that you have? He didn't say that. Do you know that God didn't even tell us exactly how we're supposed to do what we're doing in here this morning? We're so afraid because it's human nature to be afraid. Not God nature. It's human nature to be afraid of change. And sometimes that little bit of change, however slight it might be, just throws us all off kilter and we don't know what to do with it. And so our reaction is to just put up the wall and say, you can't do that. And we ask why. He said, because we've never done it that way. Which is the dumbest reason in the world for never doing something new. Because you've never done it that way. You know the story of the lady with the roast in the pot, yes? You know that story? Grandma had the pot. She had the roast. She kept cutting the end off the roast because it wouldn't fit in the pot. That's why she cut the end off the roast. Not because she wanted to cook smaller, just the roast wouldn't fit in the pot. And her granddaughter asked the question, why you do that, Grandma? Because it won't fit in the pot. For generations, people have been cutting a roast in half to cook it because they thought you were supposed to do that and it had nothing to do with it. It's all because it wouldn't fit in the pot. But we've never done it that way. We're sometimes afraid because the language of God is more diverse than we can understand. Look at this church. Bienvenidos. Iglesia de Cristo. Welcome to the Servicio en Inglés. Pero mi español es no bueno. 
No más. Hablas en español. Okay. And for those of you who didn't know what I said, ask them. Because I think they got a little bit of it. We have a Spanish-speaking group that usually meets and they listen to Hugo preach in Spanish. Not English, yes. But they're here with us this morning. Praise God. Diversity. Look at this church. We have African-Americans. I see stuff you post on there about the history of some of the things going on. And this month is African-American History Month. I don't know if I said that exactly right, but I see your post. We have Asian people here. We have people from Alabama here. Can you believe that? We have people from Alabama, Oklahoma, Australians. There you go. You're born in Australia? You live there, okay. Guys, we are so diverse. But I'm telling you straight up, that freaks some people out. And they don't know what to do with diversity. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to have a conversation with somebody. You should have been with me on Friday. It was an amazing day. I got up at 2 o'clock Friday morning. I was in San Jose. I get up at 2 o'clock and I'm in my car driving home because I wanted to see my wife before she went to work. I didn't make it. I missed her about 10 minutes. So I, I stop by, I get her car, I go home. I need to get brakes or oil change on her car. So I'm in Long Beach. Have you ever been to downtown Long Beach? It's pretty diverse. Did you know that? It's pretty diverse. So I drop the car off at Firestone. I walk around to Denny's. I'm sitting in Denny's. There's a gentleman there, very, very uh, well-dressed, dis distinguished African-American gentleman, probably in his mid-70s. He sits down. And we start having a conversation. He had to wheel himself there in his wheelchair today because he and, his, he and his grandson got in a fight, and his grandson won't cook for him anymore. And I go to, we have a nice conversation. By his breakfast, we go out. I start to walk out, and there's a man sitting right there, Right at the first table by the doors you walk in, and he's sweating profusely. Guys, it's only 72 degrees Friday morning, and he's sweating profusely like he's having a heart attack or stroke or something. And I try to talk to him, and he can't even talk to me. And then I walk outside, and I see this other lady who definitely could use a meal, and we talk for a few minutes. And then I walk to the corner, and there are two guys fighting on the corner. And so I see a police car coming. So I run in front of the I literally run in front of the street, and I do this. And they stop, and I just point that way, and they see the brawl, and they turn on the lights, and they go break up the fight. Welcome to Friday. We live in a diverse world. I'm not recommending that you go stand in front of police cars when they're running down the road. But I am saying, if you look around you at the world that's going on around you, there are a lot of things going on. And you and I just need to be sensitive to the things that are going on and step into those moments. Because that's how God allows us to use our stuff. Sometimes we're afraid change is coming faster than we can even comprehend. And it is. Look, man, there's some people sitting in this room who don't even know what a fax machine is. They don't know what black and white TV is unless they watch me channel watch the old westerns, which is my favorite. They don't know what a television is without a remote control. I used to be the remote control. When we lived in Michigan, we had a black and white TV, old RCA with rabbit ears and antennas, and my dad would say, now understand, my dad called me Eddie. I'm not giving any of you permission to do that. But he would say, Eddie, go change the channel. Well, there were only three. Two, four, and eight. That were the three channels. Some of you remember that. Change is coming. Let me tell you a secret. Mike, how many people are online watching, viewing, approximately? How many are? 
perfect. How many of you have a phone? If you take your phone out right now, you don't have to, but if you wanted to, you could take your phone out right now, and you could go to your Facebook Messenger or whatever that thing is, and you could check in, and you could say, checking in at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ, and however many hundreds of people are your friends on Facebook would know where you're at. And we have live stream of this service, and it's on Facebook Live, and there are people that keep showing up. The world is changing. The way of church is changing. And it scares us to death sometimes. But God has given us the resources and the tools and, and all the things that we need to adapt to some of those changes. The world's becoming so diverse, we feel absolutely overwhelmed. And trust me, I feel overwhelmed. There are times, and Lynn could tell you this, I'm not telling this as a joke and to be funny, but there are times I tell her, I said, I just want to go live under a rock. Because there are so many things going on in the world. There are so many things that are out of my control, and I'm dealing with so many things. I mean, my weeks are crazy, just like your weeks. No different than yours, but they're crazy sometimes. And I just want to be quiet. But you know what? It's not time for me to be quiet. Because God isn't through with me yet. And I don't think I'm ever going to get to be quiet until he says, Ed, it's time to come home. And he either brings me home via a heart attack or stroke or cancer or a car accident or I just get old and the old body just wears out. And when that day comes, that's what I live for. Why am I here? Dude, I didn't want this job. I didn't want this job. But Ray McPeak kept kicking me and he said, you're not done yet. And we kept losing preachers. And I kept showing up to fill in. And I, I can't help it. I can't help but do it. Do you understand what I just said? I can't help but do it. You think I go into these restaurants and look for these knuckleheads to talk to? I don't go looking for that stuff. Well, I do, sort of. But I go looking for it because it's what God has put on my heart. And you know what I, you know what I realized on Friday? You know what I understand a little more clearly than I used to? The world is messed up. And they don't even know they're messed up. And they're looking for answers in so many places that are the wrong place to look because the only answer is in Christ. And He's the only one that will truly give them joy and peace. That's reconciliation. When the Spirit leads, we have no option but to follow and embrace the changes that are driven by the Spirit. I choose to live in the Spirit. That's what I choose to do. I choose to live in the realm of the Spirit. And I invite you, because I'm not drunk. Guys, if we understand stewardship properly, then we can begin to see our lives, our money, our food, our homes, and even our worship as something that we share and are willing to share on a daily basis. Because that is what brings reconciliation between non-believers and God. 
When we share all of these things that God has given us, we find ourselves redistributing our resources into the community and to the lives of others. And I'm not talking about being socialistic and taking all the money and splitting it up and everybody gets the same $87 check every month. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying God has blessed you with so much. He's asking you to share it with others. Because only in sharing your lives with others and sharing the blessings that He's given to you with others can reconciliation happen. So in some ways, guys, we're focused. We're focused on the number of people to get baptized because we think that's where it's at. Rather than those who are truly reconciled to God. You know what my fear is? My fear is that some of us who have been baptized haven't even experienced true reconciliation because the friendship hasn't truly been restored. And we go around sometimes and we try to literally scare the hell out of people, thinking by scaring them to death because if you do this or you do that, you're going to go to hell. That's all well and good. But I just don't hear many sermons that Jesus preached that sounded like that, except, except when He was speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes who ought to have known better, and they didn't act like they knew anything. And he had to be a little abrupt and blunt with them to get their attention. And guess what? That didn't work so well. So you don't want to be on the receiving end of that kind of a conversation with God. Repentance is about changing your heart and your mind and then returning and restoring that right relationship. Guys, that's what it's all about. That's what God's called us to do. We're not a bunch of babbling balloons talking a bunch of nonsense. This is about everything that we have. It's about everything that we own. It's about giving our all to God. In the class this morning, they talked about, it's about the cross. It wasn't, Ken said, it wasn't a palm leaf that became the symbol for early Christianity. It was the cross. And at the cross is where you die. At the cross is where you lay down your whole life. At the cross is where you lay down everything. And you give it to God. And then when you give it to Him, the amazing thing is He gives it all back to you so you can use it to bring glory to His name. It's amazing what God lets us do. We're just witnessing that which God promised through the prophets. And it will be done. And it is still being done. I don't have the gift of speaking in other languages. You just experienced that because I couldn't speak 12 words in Spanish. And don't ask me to speak Russian or what that Eastern language that you know something about, Eric. I ain't, I'm not going there. I barely speak Southern anymore. But God has called us to live in the Spirit. He's called us to live a life where we take this whole life of stewardship where everything belongs to God and take it out and redistribute it among all of these people in the community around us so that we can begin to experience this reconciliation. Helping people come to know God through Christ. And in doing that, the joy is amazing. So I'm not drunk. I'm filled with the Spirit in a big way. That, I believe, with all of my heart. And I invite you to allow your heart and your soul and your mind with all of your strength to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God so that He too may take you into a Denny's and let you sit by the dude whose grandson won't cook for him anymore, and who will let you see 
the crazy people on the street fighting and you can run in front of the police car and not get run over. Because God's Spirit protects you even in that. I could tell you some crazy stories, but they're all true. And they're all because God's Spirit lives in me. And I invite you on the journey. We're going to sing this song. Oh Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. As we sing this song, I invite you to consider the lesson. If there's anything for which we can pray with you, if there's a reason that you need to come and lay everything back at the cross, at the foot of Jesus again, come and let us know. We'll pray with you. If you need to be more bold, ask God. He'll help you be more bold. But understand, when you ask Him that, He's going to put you in circumstances where you have to be bold. Okay? That's what He does. If you need to have peace in your life, ask Him to give you peace. But the only way to have peace is to have to go through some troubles to figure out how to be peaceful. Okay? If we can help you in any way, please come so we stand and sing this song. Oh Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving I'll be a living Sanctuary for you. It was you, Lord, who sent the Savior.